Hi, and welcome to C. Myers Live. My name is Sally Myers, and I'm a principal at C. Myers Corporation. Hi, I'm Brian McHenry, and I'm also a principal at C. Myers Corporation. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about liquidity, and our focus will be on what if there's a liquidity crunch for individual credit unions or a liquidity crunch across the industry, some of the considerations that need to be taken into account. Now, I just want to say here, we're going to be focused on the liquidity crunch. There could also be a flight to safety. The reason we're focusing on the possibility of a shortage of liquidity is there's more experience, more recent experience uh, for decision makers in dealing with the flight to safety. Having said that, we understand that the circumstances today are very different than the Great Depression. So we're going to take it away. What if there's a liquidity crunch? How do you get your arms around your individual liquidity needs? Yeah, and as we go through today, please feel free to ask questions. As we can, we'll get to your questions during this time frame. If we're not able to get to your questions, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to chat and answer anything that you're thinking through. And uh, if it's time sensitive, also let us know that we're happy to follow up uh, offline here. And then also one other thing I want to add is Sally said the Great Depression. I think you have depression on your mind because unemployment claims are at 10 million. <laughs> maybe I do. Maybe two weeks, and I think in the end, you know, really the comparison to the Great Recession, where right? Big flight to safety. Yes. But we cannot discount the fact that we're in unprecedented times here, and that this week 6.6 .6 million unemployment claims taking it to 10 million over the last two weeks from a liquidity standpoint that's got to be on your mind and also we're going to spend a lot of time or often what we'll do here is we're going to connect liquidity and credit risk because credit risk does impact your liquidity and some of the things that are happening are elevating the credit risk concerns yes and thank you brian i'm not making a forecast that we're going to have a great depression yeah, so please. thank you for yeah, that yeah. clarification all right well there's a lot to cover Again, we want to be mindful of time, so we're going to dive right in. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about the different components that we think people should be considering. Yeah, so what we'll do as we go through here is we'll, we'll talk about the different parts of the financial structure. It's also not possible as we go through to not link the different parts of the financial structure. So we're going to start off on the loan side, and you'll notice we're going to end up connecting loans and deposits back and forth here. So on the lending side, things to keep in mind that you'd want to test out, quantify in your liquidity analysis, and then identify what are your options to try and address that liquidity crunch. Big thing right now is loan deferments. Lots of focus on loan deferments. Uh, I was reading this morning, Bank of America has already allowed for 50,000 loan deferments. So it's, it's happening. So as you go through your liquidity analysis, test out different lengths of deferments and also different percentages of your portfolio deferring. So it might be, you, if you think you'll see about 25% of your loan portfolio defer, test out a 50 or 75% deferment. If you think it's only going to happen over three months, test out what if they defer for six or nine months and understand that impact on your liquidity. Don't forget on the deferments, it's principal, it's the interest income that you're not getting. Well, you may be accruing for it from a liquidity perspective, you're not actually getting that interest in the door. And then also consider how are escrow payments handled as well when 
when loans are deferred. Yeah, great, great point. And then the other thing too, I think it'd be a good idea to also talk about lines of credit and what we're seeing with some of our clients in lines of credit with respect to the questions that they're asking. Yeah, so a lot of questions that are coming up here are how are members using their lines of credit? And so when we talk about lines of credit, think HELOCs, personal lines of credit, and credit cards. And so something to think about is that members might start taking more draws on their lines of credit and start carrying a greater balance on their credit cards. And so that can add more liquidity pressure to your balance sheet as those members are trying to find ways to essentially live while they may be unemployed right now or have reduced incomes. Yes, and I, I think another thing to think about that too, it's such a balance. And talking about what is your strategic positioning? Because what if the, the unemployment that has skyrocketed essentially overnight stays around it's it's sustained for a while and so helping and extending these lines of credit today could lead to more credit risk in the future although people need help today so the important thing is is nobody knows what's going to happen there's nobody knows what's the right thing to do you need to decide for your organization and your membership short term intermediate term and long term how can you best serve the membership and remain financially sound? Yeah, and absolutely agree. And then as you're thinking about the lines of credit, here's where you wanna start thinking about some of your business intelligence and tracking that member behavior so that you can understand and be aware of that balance. Things that would be helpful to understand are, what if members are taking large draws on their lines of credit? You're seeing an increased usage on their credit cards, so they're carrying more of a balance each month, and tracking their direct deposits and seeing if the amount that's being directly deposited is starting to decline. This is where that crossover between liquidity and credit risk really starts to come into play. So you're seeing the increased pressure from liquidity on less deposits, more draws on unfunded commitments, and also when you link those things, that might be an indication a warning sign for that member that they may be headed towards a potential credit risk issue. The great thing about that is by having the business intelligence on that now and that early warning, it gives you the opportunity to do what credit unions do so well, which is reach out and try and work with the member to find a solution that's beneficial for them and also for the credit union. And I want to add to the member, we're saying the member, but don't forget if you're in business lending, reach out to those business owners. Uh, they need help now, as you very well know, and have a proactive process in place to understand what their situation is, what their needs might be. And it might be one business at a time getting really creative with solutions to make sure that they can keep on keeping on. Mm -hmm. And before you go on, Brian, we had a, another question while you were talking about deferments. And the question related to, boy, I have a big uh, servicing portfolio. Mm -hmm. What do I need to be thinking about there? Yeah, great question. For those that have large, uh, if you do any mortgage servicing, it's going to be important for you to check in on your agreements and contracts and understand the ramifications of doing deferments and really understand what are you on the hook for, which can also impact your liquidity. Do you have to make those principal and interest payments to the investors? 
in a time of deferment. So make sure that you're checking in on that because that can also be a hit to your liquidity and potentially an unanticipated hit to your liquidity. Right. Yeah. So thanks for that. And I think the other thing we should make sure that we're talking about here is are there new things that you can pledge, new types of loans that you can pledge, get practice on that. So let's chat a little bit about that. Yeah, so as you think about your lines of credit, often you have to pledge you have to pledge collateral in order to support those lines of credit. So as you're starting to see deferments, as you're starting to see changes in loan growth, uh, hearing a lot of places talk about consumer loans essentially drying up, the demand is drying up. So think through what do you need in order to have adequate collateral in order to maintain your lines of credit such that if you got into a position where you needed to borrow, those lines of credit are still there and you have the collateral to pledge to do that. And here's the other thing, think through how this works in a remote working environment. What is it like to actually go get that line of credit if people are not actually in the same room or physically near each other? And so stepping back, this would be a good time to evaluate your contingency funding plan what makes sense from a remote work environment, and then also checking in with whoever the FHLB or the third party that you have your lines of credit through, what's the process now that it may all be done remotely, including remotely for them? Sure, and what some other credit unions are talking about as well is looking at what if people who are involved in this, the responsible normally for working on borrowings and things like that, what if they get sick? And so do you need to expand the authority uh, within your organization to make sure things can happen in a timely fashion because really important, which we all know, but I'll punctuate, is when you need the money, you need the money and it's got to be an efficient process. Before we go on to talking about deposits, we had another question. Somebody said, well, if loans are drying up, which for some, setting aside mortgages, consumer loans are really uh, slowing. Why do I need to worry about liquidity? Yeah, it's a very fair question. And the answer is you may not. The key here is test it out. Understand what it looks like. If you don't have that consumer loan demand over an extended period of time or, or a period of time, how does that impact your liquidity? And do that in combination with understanding if you're deferring payments or seeing those draws on your unfunded commitments. The other thing to remember here too is that it may still actually put pressure on your liquidity to not have that loan growth, which sounds really funny. And don't forget, you're not getting that interest income. And making money at the end of the day is also a source of liquidity. So while you're not having to necessarily put the funds out to the member, you're also not getting back some of the, the interest income that can help you from a liquidity standpoint. So go through, test it out, and understand. Yes, and if those types of loans, the consumer loans are drying up, let's say autos as an example, and you're using those as collateral, you really need to be mindful if those loans are declining, what might it do to your borrowing capacity? Right. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about deposits. And I think the message here, a key message is really understanding the sources of the deposits. Don't assume if deposit balances are growing, it will be sustainable. And if you do that, it might hide some liquidity pressure that could be building up. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, great opportunity on the business intelligence side, again, to evaluate what's causing the deposit growth. You know, examples would be, are these funds coming in from those that have already gotten tax payments? Also on the other side, look at it if the tax date has been pushed back and you're normally counting on funds to come in at a certain time, are you okay from liquidity perspective if you don't get tax refunds until July 15th? Uh, so understand where are they coming from? Stimulus checks, when they start to come in, is that a source of, of deposits? Also, are you seeing a linkage between the draws on your lines of credit and an increase, a corresponding increase in your deposits? That may feel like a wash from a liquidity perspective, and it's important because that can create that false sense of security, like we're getting deposit growth. Look at this, this is great, but not understanding that it's actually just, it's coming from draws on lines of credit and not necessarily from members bringing in new money into the credit union. So again, really key to understand those sources and then trend them out. What's the trending like this year compared to last year? And how might that impact you? And what you said, Sally, what's sustainable? And is this going to help us over the period that we need, especially if the deferments are outweighing what's happening from a consumer a drop in consumer loan demand yeah yeah no i think that's that's really good and and a number of our clients have started to do that what do what do you think we should be having people focus on with respect to borrowings mm -hmm. so borrowings i'm going to describe this as there's kind of that age-old question right now of do I borrow or not borrow? Do I try and lock in some funding at a, a more fixed cost right now or do I not? And so that's a balance and you have to evaluate that for yourself in terms of what are your funding needs and your liquidity needs. This is where going back to testing out different stresses on the liquidity, different pressures on the liquidity, different scenarios with the deposits can help you understand should you borrow right now so and what some are doing is there we run a ton of what ifs and i know we're we're testing out should i even though i don't need the borrowings today should i take the borrowings today as a precautionary measure or maybe being able to really uh, fund loans going forward at a very favorable rate when things calm down a little bit and maybe go back to some semblance of normalcy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And then also good time to step back and assess and test your borrowing ability. What I mean by that is checking in. We saw last in the 2008 economic crisis, lines of credit for credit unions were being reduced or cut by um, the issuers. So doing a check-in, what is your line of credit availability right now? What's the process look like? Are you hearing anything from any of the uh, issuers of borrowings that might cause you to see a reduction in your available line of credit. Also gonna hit it again, what's happening with the collateral that you have available to pledge to borrowings and is that impacting your available lines of credit and your ability to borrow when you need it? So going through that and continuing to evaluate that source. So in on the collateral, probably testing the value of the collateral declining, which has a direct impact on your borrowing capacity. The other thing too, you hit it earlier, but I wanna make sure we hit it again, is 
well is tested because most people are working remotely so we can't lose sight of we're talking about making sure you have the appropriate borrowing capacity but at the same time working in this remote world can you pull those operational levers efficiently to make sure you can get the money when you need it that's another big takeaway where a lot of operational plans may not cover people working remotely. Yeah, and then when you're testing out your lines of credit, test all that, make sure you're understanding, as Sally said, the operational side and your liquidity modeling, test what if your lines are cut? Mm-hmm. What if they're reduced 25, 50, 75%? And then that can start to help you understand how much on balance sheet or internal sources of liquidity, what are our levers if we really needed to work ourselves out of this liquidity crunch. And also then what's that place where you feel, I don't want to say comfortable because comfortable is very different, but understanding the place where things start to tilt to being more concerning versus less concerning. And by testing that out and understanding the impact on borrowings, that can also help you make some decisions today and set some filters and triggers today that you say, if this happens, then we might decide to borrow or we may not, or we might take, we might pull this lever, which as I said, could be a borrowing, it could be something else. Right, and I do want to punctuate something that you said is understanding, this could provide a sense of comfort or not, but truly understanding, could you work yourself out of a liquidity crunch? What steps or actions would you have to take without relying on third-party borrowings? Again, very, very important to understand. It may provide a sense of comfort or it may heighten your concern, which then would suggest that you probably need to be more focused today on making sure you would be fine in a liquidity crunch. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing too, I think we should talk about how, while we're talking about an individual credit union being prepared for managing their own liquidity and not running into an issue, Let's talk a little bit about, it's not just about an individual credit union or one credit union at a time. Yeah, your preparedness and everyone else's preparedness from a liquidity perspective impacts your ability to address a liquidity crunch. The example here is in 2008 again. Look back, why were lines of credit being cut? Well, because there was concerns from a systemic and an industry perspective about the industry's ability and the industry's liquidity availability and viability in many respects. And so that started to create liquidity pressure. So how prepared you are is going to directly impact the ability for the industry to respond really well. And if the industry is not positioned really well, then those sources of liquidity that you're relying on, off balance sheet, borrowings, things like that, may actually end up not being available when you need them most. Right. Okay. And then I think it's a good time right now. Let's shift gears and talk just a little bit about investments. Mm -hmm. So on the investment side, it's a great time to step back and think about what is your investment strategy in terms of supporting your liquidity and cash on hand needs. Also think through what we need out of our investment portfolio from an earnings and a profitability perspective. So really, what's the purpose of our investment portfolio and our investment strategy and identifying that? And is it changing? Also, what investments are available to pledge for borrowings? If we get into a more distressed environment, will the amount of collateral that you have from the investments, can you count on that being at the same level as it it is today? Meaning 
while you may be able to count on all of the investments being available and pledged as collateral, just to have a real simple example, if we get into a more distressed environment, that may not be so. It may be that the same investments that you had are only providing a fraction of the collateral that you need. And so you may need actually more collateral to get the same amount of borrowings. And so thinking that through, what would be the impact again on your available lines of credit if we started to see the investment values or a distressed environment where you'd have to pledge a lot more investments in order to get the borrowings. The other thing is go back to some of the, uh, the loan deferments and how does that impact the cash flows on your investments, especially on the real estate-based investments, think your mortgage-backed securities and CMOs. What happens as a result of the loan deferments? Can you count on the same type of cash flow coming in from there? Also, what about the unprecedented level of refis? How is that going to impact the cash flows as well? Will you see some extensions or contractions as a result of those two things? And then, of course, lastly, on the credit risk side of things, how might changes in the credit risk environment and cash-strapped municipalities, cash-strapped corporates, you know, private label mortgage-backed securities, do their cash flows end up being impacted, which again can impact your liquidity, especially if there's an extension in those cash flows happening. Or if there's a contraction, now you're getting all this excess liquidity, but you don't know what to do with it. Um, on the excess liquidity, just touch for a minute on that. That links, that links back to the profitability side. And if you have that right now, because rates are, are lower, there may not be as many great options from a profitability side. So again, think overall investment strategy. What are you trying to prioritize right now? You may decide that that's actually a good thing and you're okay with this excess liquidity because you know you need it right now. Uh, the other thing on credit risk, circling back on that is if the values start to drop and you have an other than temporary impairment, then you might not actually also get all of your principal back that you were counting on, which can also impact your liquidity as well. So think about that too. Saw that a lot with uh, particularly private label mortgage-based investments back in the 2008. Yeah. When And I wonder what's happening to the participants right now mm -hmm. as far as, wow, this is, this is a lot. Mm -hmm. And it is a lot. And it's liquidity is one of those things that if it spirals out of control and you don't have what you need when you need it, it can move very quickly and turn very quickly in a bad way. And so it, sorry that it is a lot, but it's something the industry needs to be thinking about. Decision makers need to be thinking about it and they need to be modeling various scenarios. Again, if we've learned anything from what's happening with this pandemic is it's better to understand and, and test things out and take action. Right. And, and if you decide to not take action, that's okay. Just document it mm -hmm. and making sure that the boards are in the loop and understanding how quickly things can change. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to the, the action, that's where triggers can come in. Having a discussion ahead of time about, well, we're not gonna take action today, which is okay. And here's why we're not gonna take action today. But the triggers, we will take action if these things happen, or a trigger can be, if this starts to happen, we need to meet again, 
reassess the situation, mm -hmm. decide do we need to take action or do we need to develop new triggers? And this is important because you would be setting up triggers for what you know of as of this moment, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't want to automatically pull triggers until you reassessed the situation. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is the triggers, do it now so you mm -hmm. have that understanding. Mm -hmm. And then as you're approaching a trigger that you've identified, that's a trigger, for lack of mm -hmm. a better word, to step back and say, okay, this is the lever we're going to pull as a result of that trigger. Let's also reassess mm -hmm. and make sure because things are changing so quickly. That's one of the big differences about this crisis that's very different than in 2008 is the breadth of the crisis. It's hitting so many more industries than it did last time and the speed at which it's happening. It's happening so fast right now. And so, yes, you need to go through, test, understand, do lots of scenarios. And then when you get to that trigger point, reevaluate and retest again to understand if are there new things that may influence your decision to pull that lever. And if, if not, pull the lever. You've already done some of the thinking, so it should make the reevaluation process faster. And there's an, another question here. It's like, man, the, the person, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but they're saying, I don't have time to run a bunch of scenarios. Mm -hmm. I simply don't have time. So what's your suggestion? And a suggestion would be, then run a very bad case liquidity scenario. Sit down and imagine what that would be and then test it out, mm -hmm. see the answers, and then what levers could you pull? As Brian said early on, what levers could the credit union pull on balance sheet where they're not relying on anybody else? And then that can help you understand the reliance on others, mm -hmm. the reliance on third-party borrowings, as an example. And if you just did that one, that's a great starting point. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not really in a situation today where we're gonna, we need to run a best case. If, if time is short, go for the bad case. Yeah, I would agree there. That can help you understand fairly quickly what you need to do, or do you need to invest more time in this, or do not based on running that. The other thing too on that is I know we're, you know, when we talk liquidity and we're talking liquidity crunch, we're, we're very focused on the things that could not go well. Doing that test might actually help you identify opportunities. Let's say you do that test and you look really good. Man, what a great thing to know because now it can help you say some of these other decisions that we're thinking about that we know could impact our liquidity, we might be still be comfortable making them all things considered, don't forget the credit risk and the profitability, but yeah, we could move forward on that. One of the things we didn't mention that would be good to think through too is, do you still have a large mortgage refi pipeline that hasn't even hit yet that you're trying to work your way through? Are you evaluating, can you handle the volume liquidity-wise, but even operationally? If you do the test and you're like, yeah, we can handle it, great. Now you, you have an opportunity to go and serve your members where others, if they step back and they're looking at their like, we might not be able to handle that volume from a liquidity perspective. We'll have to find some levers to, to slow that down. So that's a long way of saying there are opportunities in this as well. To your point, Sally, it's about the understanding piece of it to help get your head around it. Even just do the one test to give you an idea. And then that helps you start making some other decisions to either take advantage of opportunities or commit more time on the liquidity to make sure you feel prepared. And then I think another important point is 
while there might be uh, contingency funding plans that have been developed over time, can't punctuate enough, this is a different world. Step back and look at those contingency funding plans in light of you're working remotely. Operationally, we can't emphasize enough, does it work in a timely fashion? Is it still efficient when people are not in the same spot? The other thing too, again, on the contingency funding plan is that try your very best to view it from new lenses. What if we're essentially shut down as a country for another three months? I'm not making a forecast, but what if those things were to occur? And in the stresses on the businesses and the stresses on the consumer, how does that world change? Different from when the last time you developed a contingency funding plan. One of the things that, the, again, the Great Recession can be a good source of experience, but it's different this time around. Have a strategic discussion with your board, with your senior management team. Why is it different this time around? What makes it different? And when you get that list, then that can help you better evaluate some of the things that you need to be focused on and develop that really bad case liquidity scenario that you want to test. The good thing is, is if you look at the results, all it is, is it's a result of a test. Hmm. That scenario hasn't happened yet. And then you would step back and again, what do I need to do, if anything, right now? So we've covered a lot. I know there's still a few outstanding questions, but we want to be mindful of time. So we're going to wrap up C Myers Live for today. If you have follow-up questions, please feel free to email us, call us, and we'll get back to you just as soon as we can. Thanks much for your time. Thank you, everyone.